I'd love for you to take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the key verse, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. In that verse, it tells us that God's going to send a son and they're going to call his name Emmanuel. Well, the name Emmanuel simply means God with us. So that's the subject that we're going to be looking at today, God with us. I mentioned earlier that I wanted to start, I wanted us to look one more time at the subject of thanksgiving. And what I wanted us to do is to be thankful in these three areas because what we're going to see when we discuss the subject of what Jesus has done, well, it brings up the birth of Christ. It, it kind of is mixing Thanksgiving and Christmas together in this celebration season that we're in. But what I wanted to do today is I wanted to, to first of all, have us recognize that we should be thankful for what Jesus has done. The second point I wanted to make was to be thankful for what Jesus is doing in our lives today. And that is such a deep, vast subject that He allows the Holy Spirit to live in us. And He's given us inheritance. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have peace that passes all understanding. But that's what, that's what He is doing with us now, presently. But then the Scripture opens up and it also tells us of what He's got planned for us in this future. We need to be thankful for what He is going to do. So that was the direction that I had planned on going this morning and those three points. But I got to going on this first point, that's what He has done for us, and I never did get off of it. So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to, for us to look at what Jesus Christ has done for you and I in the past, what He has gone through, and the result of what we're experiencing today is because of what He has already accomplished uh, in the past. So we're going to begin with Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 4. And you, if you look on the screen, we've got the scriptures up there. I'm not going to pause uh, before I go to those scriptures. Uh, I was looking, they are in order is how I will be using them. If you would like to follow along, I, I would encourage you to do so. If, if not, I would encourage you to write these scriptures down and take them home with you and look over them again and make sure that you read them yourself. Some of these scriptures, I will not be reading the whole scripture but just a portion of it and how it applies for us today. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. This is something that has already taken place. I want to stop for just a second and point this out that it tells us that behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. The world today and in our society today, they look past the point that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. As a matter of fact, if you look at surveys and ask people if you really believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, They'll just wave that off and they'll say something to the effect, well, that's really not important whether I believe that or not. The virgin birth is just simply something that says it in the Bible, but it's not important. 
Well, let me stop us for a minute this morning. And when you are telling your children the Christmas story about how Jesus was born, it is imperative that our Savior was born of a virgin. When you go through the Scriptures, you realize that sin is passed down through man. Sin is not passed down through woman. Every man, every child that is born of man is born in sin. But Jesus Christ was born of woman, but not of man. So when Jesus was born, being born of a virgin, sin was not passed down to Jesus. So Jesus was born without sin and lived a life without sin, therefore making Jesus the only human sacrifice that could be given to make a payment for the sins of the world. So during this Christmas season, and we talk about it, and some people just use that verbiage, and, and yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin, and they don't think anything about it. I want us to make sure that we understand that a long time ago when God gave us this promise that our Savior, a child that's going to be born, is going to be born of a virgin, great, great importance in that scripture. Now that was no charge, I, I, that was just on the side. But, and, and I'm telling you, there needs to be a whole sermon preached on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and the importance of what that means to us. Again, what Jesus has done, we understand that this scripture has been fulfilled because Jesus has been born of a virgin and this has already been taking place. When we look in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, it's another promise. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is giving. Again, this is in Isaiah. This is some six, seven hundred years before Jesus was born. This is a promise. There is going to be a son born unto you. That son is going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That promise was made. That promise has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Now, when did that, that take place? When we look in the account through the, the Gospels, if you want to go back and read the Christmas story of when this event took place. I, have, I was visiting with a lady the other day and she says, Brother Wayne, what, what books in the Bible talk about when Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem and, and when he was born and he was laying in a manger and, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and the angels came? I said, those two books are the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. So if you want to go and read those the, the, the birth of Jesus and all the things that took place around that, those are the two books that you need to go to in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. Well, in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10, this is when the shepherds were out in the field and the angels of the Lord appeared unto them, and this is what it said, And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So when this was taking place, the shepherds were out in the field, and that's why the angels had to tell them, Hey, don't be afraid. We've come to give you an invitation. We have come to tell you of a great feat that is taking place. Prophecy is being fulfilled right now in the city of Bethlehem. A Savior is born. Notice what it says. A Savior has been. Well, what is a Savior? A Savior is someone that saves the people. 
that rescues the people. It didn't go into detail that He is coming to save the world from their sin, but their announcement was made that the Savior is born in Bethlehem. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the Scriptures in the Old Testament that prophesy that Jesus, didn't call Him Jesus, the Messiah would be born and it would be, He would be born in Bethlehem. All of these prophecies have come in true, every single one of them concerning the birth of Jesus, and this is the Savior of the world. Now, I like this, and I preach messages on Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 through 6, but I want to read this first verse, and notice what it says. It says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. But when the fullness of time had come. Now, God knew before He ever created the world that He was going to send a Savior. That His Son Jesus was going to have to come and pay a sacrifice so that all men would have an opportunity for their sins to be forgiven. God knew that before He ever said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He knew that before He laid the foundations of the world. He knew that Jesus would be the Savior. But do you realize that from verse number 1 and 2 of Genesis until the day that Jesus was born was some 4,000 years? 4,000 years. And I want you to know when God made this plan, He knew the exact point and the exact time that Jesus would have to be born. In order for all of these prophecies to be fulfilled, it says when Moses lifted up the rod in the wilderness... He says, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, you know what? All through history, crucifixion has not been a form of punishment. But in order for the Son to be lifted up like it did, like it was talking about in Moses' day, that time had to come about before Jesus could come as a Savior. I love the fact that it says, and when the fullness of time had come, now, how many of you that have cars, how many of you take your car down and have the oil changed every single week? You almost raised your hand. I don't know anybody that changes their oil every single week. But now, everybody's got their own opinion, okay? Cars, the motors they build today are much, much greater than they were back in the 60s and the cars that I started... Back in the 60s, you needed to change your oil about every 3,000 miles. I mean, you had carburetors, and I know you men that know what I'm talking about. I mean, engine would wear out a whole lot quicker back in the 60s than it does today. I change my oil every 5,000 miles. Oil is a better product than it used to be. The engines are a better product. We're not going to discuss it. Y'all do it how you want to. I change my oil every 5,000 miles. Okay? And listen... I don't change it before, and I don't change it after. I look at my little sticker up there, and they want you to change it every 3,000 miles. I look at that number on my, my little sticker up there, I add 2,000 miles to it, and when the fullness of time is come, I get my oil changed. Every time I get my oil changed, they walk in there with that air filter and say, Mr. Bickley, would you like us to put a new air filter in? And I say to myself, it's not the fullness of time yet. That thing's still white. No, blow it out and put it back in. When it gets bad enough, I'll change it. 
My goodness. This is what God said. God said, the time is counting down. And he says, I've got to be true to what I told Daniel to put in the scriptures. If you go back to the book of Daniel, we don't have time to go back there and look at the 70 weeks or the 77s like it talks about in the book of Daniel. But do you know you go back to the book of Daniel and it tells you exactly to the day when Jesus will walk in to the city of Jerusalem in his triumphant entry and God says, the fullness of time has come. It's time for me to send my son Jesus to be the Savior of the world and when the fullness of time has come, that's when he sent Jesus. Exactly on time. Not a day late, not a day long. Exactly on time. And that's what this scripture says. It says, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Here's another one of those free parts. Do you realize that in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25, it tells us, and when the fullness of the Gentiles is come. In other words, when every single person that makes up the body of the church, when that fullness of the time of the Gentiles has come, Jesus is coming back. Tells us the time. Now, we don't know when that time is. We don't know when the last person that accepts Jesus as their personal Savior that's going to make up the bride of Christ and the body of Christ, we don't know when that is. God knows, and I want you to know, He's not going to be a day late or a day early. He's going to be right on time. When that fullness of time has come, we're talking about what He has done. What He has done. Perfect timing. Notice what this next part of that verse says. In Galatians 4 and verse number 5, it says, When the fullness of time has come, Jesus was born of woman, born under the law. And this is what it says. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it tells us, it says, He's given us the right to become the children of God. In other words, he says, I am giving you an opportunity. When the fullness of time has come, I'm going to send my son. That word redeemed means to pay the cost. In other words, he's going to redeem us. He is going to pay the cost of our sins so that we might be able to have a relationship with God so that we might be called the children of God, so that we might be called the sons of God, that's what Jesus come from, for. And the timing was perfect, and the timing was just right. Now, I've already said this to my Sunday school class because I just couldn't hold it any longer. All right? Everyone in this room may understand this better than me. All right? But it became more clear to me this week as I was studying for this what it means when we use that word redeemed or God reconciled us. Listen, before Jesus died and shed His blood on the cross, it was man's job to seek a relationship with God, okay? Here God sits right up here and then God says, if you want to have a relationship with me, you must bring me a sacrifice, you must bring that lamb to the high priest. You have to offer that lamb without spot and blemish to the high priest. He is to now take the blood of that lamb and lay that blood on the altar. 
God is not doing this. If you don't do what you're supposed to do to see that that sin debt is paid, you didn't have a relationship with God. It was all on you. Now, do you see that? It was all on you. There had to be innocent bloodshed so that you can have a relationship with God. It was on you. You had to do that. All right? But this is what Jesus done. When Jesus died on the cross, He shed His blood for the payment of sin. In Isaiah chapter 56, and 53, in verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Okay? Before I had to take a sheep, in order for me to have a relationship with God, I had to, I, I, I had to offer this. This is what it says way back in Isaiah 53. He says, listen, I'm going to send my son and I'm going to lay your iniquities, all of your sins, I'm going to lay on the back of my son. He is fixing to pay the price for you. You're not going to have to bring that lamb anymore. I'm going to pay the price that you have to pay. This is what it says in Isaiah 53 and 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talking about Jesus. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Speaking about Jesus right there. Jesus became our price for sin. He became our payment for sin. If we want to thank God for what He has done, we need to thank God for Jesus and dying on the cross. We no longer have to do the, the go-between. We no longer have to bring the innocent blood. Jesus is that innocent blood. Jesus has paid the price for our sin. This is what it says in 1 Peter. It says, For as much as you know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Prior to the cross, it was our responsibility to approach God. After the cross... Our responsibility to bring a, a sacrifice was no longer needed because Jesus has become our sacrifice for sin. Now this is what I hope. I hope everybody catches this. This is, this is probably the most important part of this whole message. All that changed when Jesus paid the price for our sins, man is redeemed and reconciled to God. God is not looking for you to do anything in order to have a relationship with Him except to believe and come to Him, putting your faith and trust in what Jesus had accomplished on the cross. Now, boy, that was just a whole big mouthful. Use big words, reconciliation and redeemed. And Let me tell you what this is saying. Uh, in just a second, we're going to look in Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. And Jesus is telling a parable to the nation of Israel right here. Now watch this. Watch this. This is what he's doing. He is telling a parable by, about a man that has gotten a, a big feast, a big banquet together. All right? 
this big banquet that he's put together, it says, he listen, I am providing the music, I'm providing the entertainment, I'm providing the tables, the utensils, I'm providing the meal, I'm providing the drink, I'm provi- I am providing everything for you. You do not have to come with anything. Now normally, if you go to a banquet like that, I mean, they ask you to bring, a, well, the, it's going to be $50 a couple, say, to come to our banquet. We're going to provide anything, but what you have to do, $50 a couple will cover the expenses for you to come to our banquet. But this parable that he is talking about, this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, nothing is required from you. Nothing is required from you. All you've got to do is show up. That's all you've got to do. So the parable Jesus is saying, he says, this master has prepared this banquet table. He has set everything in place. He is suffering the cost for everything. All you've got to do is show up. He says, so he sent his servants out to invite them that were invited to this banquet. When they got out there and they started inviting these people to come to this banquet that cost them nothing, everybody started coming up with an excuse. Well, I just got married and, and I, I've got to spend time with my wife, so I just tell the master I can't come. Well, I just bought a, a yoke of oxen. I can't come. I've got to try these oxen to make sure they work okay. Oh, well, I can't come. I've just bought this parcel of land. I hadn't even walked over it. I've got to go look at this land. Those are the excuses it gives us in the Scripture. It doesn't matter what the excuse, because you see, people are doing that every day today. Jesus Christ has paid the debt for sin, and He says, listen, all you've got to do is believe. Just come. It's free. Hey, it used to not be free. That's the whole point of this message. It used to not be free. You used to have to bring a lamb. You had to bring the blood. You had to bring a sacrifice. But Jesus says, I am now the sacrifice. All you've got to do is come. This is the invitation. This is the invitation to the world today. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, He died for the sins of some or for all. He died for the sins of all the world. The sin payment has been made for the whole world. I'm afraid there's some even sitting maybe in our sanctuary today that have refused to accept the invitation simply to come. I was witnessing to a a man that I was working with at the fire department. And I said, man, you don't understand. I said, this is the invitation. It's, It's now This is the time. You don't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow, Robert. He says, yeah, but Brother Wayne, he says, you don't understand. Well, that was before I was Brother Wayne. But he said, Wayne, you don't understand. I still want to sow my wild oats. I still want to do this. I still want to do that. And if I ever get saved, I won't get to do those things anymore. I'll have to give them up. So he refused the invitation. See, what, what most people don't understand is when you accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you really don't have a desire to do those other things. You found out there is more joy, there is no more peace, there is more happiness, there is, there's more contentment serving the Lord than the world ever had to offer. And that's what we find out. And, and somebody even out here sitting here today says, well, you don't know the good times I'm having. Well, I'll tell you right now, you don't know the good times I'm having. And knowing the Lord, 
and knowing the Lord. So this is what he is saying right here. He says, listen, you need to understand the shoe has been put on the other foot. You no longer have to bring the payment. Jesus says, I have made the payment. The invitation now is for you to receive a free gift. Romans 6 and 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and tithe and be a member and get baptized and, and give 10%, then you shall be saved. Is that what it says? No. Listen. The Scripture doesn't even say that you have to work for your salvation. The Scripture doesn't say that. The Scripture says Jesus is the one that has done it all. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus is the one that gave Himself, shed His blood on the cross, innocent blood on the cross, so that we might have salvation and have the opportunity to be called the sons of God. That's what He is saying. That's what this... We want to be thankful for what He's done. I want you to know Jesus has paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but He washed me white as snow. That's what the Scripture tells us. Here in, in Luke, I just want to mention, it says, Then said He unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he, he invited many. And He sent His servants at supper time to say unto them that were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Uh, we can, that can be the invitation right now this morning. Jesus has paid it off. He's come now to respond to this invitation. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. So the master told them, told the servants to go out again. They came back and says, So the servant came and they showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring, in the hither, and bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his servants, Go into the highways, the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house might be full. I want you to know that is the invitation in the world today. God is crying out. He's, we're beating the highways and the hedges and trying to compel them to believe that Jesus has paid the cost for our sins. And I want you to know it just falls, it seems like, on deaf ears today. It seems more and more people turn to the world and the things of this world to find satisfaction. Only Jesus gives life. Only Jesus gives life. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, when you read in the New Testament, it says, and that we were enemies of God. How many of you heard, know that that's what the Scripture talks about? It talks about us being enemies to God. Listen, we are no longer enemies. A lot of people think of God this way, that God is standing around the corner, just looking around the corner. I caught you. I got you. I saw what you've done. I know what you're thinking. See, a lot of people think about God that way. No, you understand the price of sin has been paid. God is now standing there. Man, you, you sorry individual, please come to faith in Jesus. Accept Jesus. I want you. 
I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to come in. God is not standing there pointing His finger at sinful people. Your sin has been paid for. He wants you a part of His family. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should be a part of the family. See, that's where God's motivation is. God's motivation is not to point to us. See, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. See, that's where God desires to have a relationship with you, and God has done everything through Jesus to accomplish that feat for you. Even John the Baptist recognized Jesus when he saw him. He said the, said the next day that G, John sees Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus has taken away the sin of the world. Now, maybe a lot of people don't recognize this. A lot of people don't recognize this. Do you know that a person that dies and goes to hell after they have died from this old world, they will not die and go to hell because of their sin. Y'all hear that? Oh, that's what everybody... No, no, no. He, he was a murderer or a rapist or all of this. You can, you can just list off the sins. No, 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 no. You understand that their sin debt has been paid for. The reason they're dying and going to hell is not because they were sinners, because they have been, their sins have been paid for. It's simply because they reject the free gift of Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross for you and me. That's why they're going to hell. That's why they're perishing. That's why it's a place called hell. It's not because they're sinners. The sin debt's paid. Jesus has paid that. It's because they refuse to believe and to put their faith in Jesus Christ. That is why they will spend eternity in a place of darkness. How did Jesus, how did Jesus pay that debt? Matthew 27 says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into a common hall. They gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. They stripped him. They put on him a scarlet robe. They plaited a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him with a reed. They bowed the knee before him and they mocked him. They spit on him. They took a reed and smote him on the head. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Isaiah 53 and 5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, a lot of people want to take that scripture, and I know they misuse it, and they talk about it's by his stripes we are healed, and they're talking about physical ailments. Let me tell you, this scripture has nothing to do about physical ailments. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. By his stripes, his blood that pierced down his body as, as he was hitting in the head and as that crown of thorns was placed on his head, it was for our iniquities and it was for our sin that he died and gave his life for us. My goodness, we have such a great opportunity today. We are to be thankful for what Jesus has done. 
He has paid that debt for you and I. Now here's an opportunity this morning during this invitation. This invitation is open for you to go, wow. You know, I never thought about it that way, how grateful I should be for what Jesus Christ has done. I just want to take time right there in your pew at this altar, whatever the situation, I just want to praise God and thank Him for what He has done for me. Or it could be this morning you go, you know what? I never thought about that. Without Jesus, I don't have eternal life. I have eternal death. I want to accept Jesus. I want to believe. I can't make that payment on my own. I want to believe. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You paid my debt. God, come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins. Simple as that. Let's stand together. Father, thank you again for this opportunity this morning to preach the word, to talk about how much you love us, what you have given for us in life, what you've done for us. Oh, uh, words, words cannot express how grateful we are for your sacrifice so that we might have that relationship. God, use this time for your honor and glory, and we'll give you the praise that comes from it in Jesus' name. You respond however the Lord leads you this morning.